Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to The Relatable Podcast, a safe space for open and honest conversations created for Black people. This podcast explores how we relate to one another in our intimate connections, friendships, family, and everything in between. Hosted by three Caribbean women, I am Fiona, a single mom. I'm Shaween, a very near empty nester. And I'm Chantal, a free-spirited monogamist. Relatable, because a shared journey brings hope. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of the Relatable Podcast. I am laughing because this is our third time trying to record this episode, but it's so good to be back. And if you follow us on social media, you will know that this week and next week, we are releasing two episodes. So you would have listened to an episode on Tuesday, and now this is Thursday, and you're listening to another new episode. How amazing is that? So before we actually dive into this episode, where we will be speaking with Fiona Compton, and the second of our trilogy, Daddy Daughter Issues, Daddy Daughter Things, before we dive into all of that, how are you guys doing? Shawin, how are you? How's your week been? My week's been good. A mishmash of everything, everything rolling to one as it's been the past few weeks. But yeah, it's been all right. Last week was quite, well, amidst the the heat wave. When we were recording last week, I got a message from my mom telling me, don't go home. I've booked you a hotel room. Lo and behold, beautiful hotel room, massive room with AC. So I enjoyed that. I think I enjoyed for about three people. (laughs) I know Fiona was well jealous. (laughs) (laughs) And I was there with the kids. So yeah, I would have liked different company, but hey, 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 no complaints from me. So yeah, my week's been going good. It's been fine. And just, yeah, getting things done to the build up to what's coming, the big move. So yeah, everything I remember. What you say, Chantal? How has your week been? Boy, the time, I don't know, guys. I'm really losing track of time, right? And yes, I know time isn't real and all of that. But do you know that 
our local carnival, which we call Culturama, it started and I was completely unaware. How? In my mind, it couldn't be those dates already. Yes. And so it's like, yo, things there to do, places to go, people to see. And I have done jack shit. (laughs) So there's that easing into my mom being home and being here with both parents. By the time you guys listen to this episode, because today is Thursday, well, in podcast land, today's Thursday, but my siblings would have arrived with my nieces and nephews. Ah! So I'm very much looking forward to that. And yeah, looking forward to getting out more and enjoying Culturama. So that's how things have been with me. Fiona, what about you? Yeah, this week has been good. It's just in the final stretches of the push for the world reimagined. Just ironing out kinks. Early on in the week, I had a meeting with one of the sponsors, which is the second largest bank in America. And it was like a meeting of discussing my globe. And they had brought the globe into their foyer. And we met with the CEOs of the bank. And of course, I don't know who them fellas are. It's just bankers, right? But to see like how... All the staff were clamoring and like, oh, okay, he's coming. Okay, all right. And like the way like all of these people were just kind of tippy-toeing around because they came in from America. And then the way that they were gushing over the globe and the concept and everything, like that, it was very, it was a very strange feeling because of course, it's not that they are better than anybody because they are these like cafrillionaires and they're the heads of these banks and whatever, But it was a strange feeling because they're not part of my world at all. So it's one thing where you get appreciation from your people is because they feel a connection to something. They feel like what you're doing is a a part of them. So it kind of like, okay, I understand why it resonates with you because it is part of you, right? But to see them and I'm like, okay, you're okay. It was just a strange feeling, a good feeling. But like they are just so very separate from my world, my life, my intentions and who I create for, and for them to respond in that way, I think, yeah, it was just, it was just different. That's what I'd say. I think that's, yeah, that was one of the main things I did this week. And what else? Just, you know, lying with my mom, I'm starting to feel a bit of the sadness creeping in that she's going to be leaving, even though she's here for a couple more weeks. I just Mm -hmm. feel like I haven't spent enough time with her. You know, it's just always like so much to be doing, trying to finish up this project. And I just want to be able to try and spend the quality time because I'm starting to feel like the sadness creeping in that she's going to be leaving. So, yeah, that's yeah, that's my week. Okay, but the time will come, Fiona. Like you said, you're at the final hurdles and not even hurdles, but the final gate, you know, to get this released into the world and to finish up and everything. And you will have that one on one time with her. But I understand. I, I hear what you're saying. So actually, Fiona, you know, this is a great segue. (laughs) My favorite word. (laughs) It's a great segue because this is part two of our daddy-daughter, daddy issues trilogy, where we kind of explore our journeys with our fathers. And so I went first because as Sherwin said, rip off the bandage, (laughs) just get it over and done with. (laughs) (laughs) But I've been really looking forward to yours and all of our journeys are so vastly different. And I know a little bit about your relationship with your dad. So I'm looking forward to discovering more that I don't know already. So Fiona, to start things off, 
how would you actually describe your journey and your relationship with your father? It feels unfinished and I'm filled with a lot of regret when it comes to my relationship with my father that I didn't appreciate him. I didn't value him as much as I should have. I didn't ask him enough questions. I took my father very much for granted. And I thought that he would never die because he was just so strong. He was stronger than people half his age. For those who don't know, my father passed away in 2007 and he was 83. And it was just a huge shock to everyone that he actually passed away because mm -hmm. he would just seem so impervious to anything. Like he never got sick. He didn't drink. He didn't smoke. He ate very well. So he never had any of those vices. So many times we see Caribbean fathers, they succumb to diabetes or whatever it is, which is a connection to one of their vices. And my father never had that. And like he almost said like he was pretty much gripped. Like he had a six pack. He didn't have a big rum belly or any of those things. So, and we just never thought, I thought my father would live well into his hundreds because before he had passed away, he was working the land like anybody digging for yam and dashing and cutting banana and carrying heavy things like anybody else, not even somebody half his age, somebody one quarter his age. His physical capacity never changed with age. And I just felt like he would never go. And so I feel filled with a lot of regrets is what I'd say. Like I said, I feel like my journey is unfinished with my father. So... I would love you to share some of your fondest memories because <laughs> although you feel like you didn't show him how much you appreciated him whilst he was physically with you, I am pretty confident that he knows and I'm pretty confident that he, he sees how he is still alive in you, Fiona and the way that you approach your work and the work that you have taken on is, is such a huge reflection of your dad, you know? So let us know, yeah, tell us, tell us a few of your fondest memories of times that you actually shared with your dad. Um, Fond memories, they vary because some of the fond memories are other people's memories because my father never used to talk about the things that he did or the things that he did for people. He just mm. did them and then we, it's like we just heard them from somebody else. So I'll share one of those of someone else's memories in a little bit. But my personal memories, my father was a man of the soil and a man of the sea. And that was what my childhood was like. I said to my partner the other day, my life was very bush and very bougie because my father, with his life in politics, people used to create elements of bougie-ness for us. Even when we didn't ask for it, we'd walk into somewhere and they say, oh, okay, John Compton is here. And then they'd start to make all of this, you know, like pomp and ceremony for things that we didn't ask for, right? Or this assumption that my father would want security or a driver or wanted to be treated a certain way. When he never asked for those things and he'd get annoyed when it, you know, insists on putting those things on him. And then we'd be going to Maho, which is where my father's land is, because my father's a farmer. And on my birth certificate, even though my father was prime minister at the time, when they asked for the parents' profession, he put farmer. So I always saw it as that my father was a farmer first. So he was a man of the soil. So he hated to wear suits. 
and much to my mother's dismay because my mom always likes us to be well presented my father that wasn't his thing so at the time he wore like two different sides of black shoes and only noticed like well on into the day my father <laughs> did the thing like you did in movies like you know when you sit down and you tuck the tablecloth into your thing like it's a napkin and then you stand up and pull off everything. <laughs> my father did that. My father never cared about appearance. And my memories of him, if I think about my father, is he's in an old piece of shorts that mash up and have holes. An old t-shirt that mash up and have holes. His rubber boots, because he going in the bush and in the mud. And his cutlass in his hand. That's how I remember my father. My father always took a sumaho in the back of his van. So uh, open a flatbed van or truck uh, depending on where you are in the world right but like a farmer's van and he'd put down a piece of foam and his five kids would go down to Maho and I remember driving late in the night and lying on a piece of foam on the road bumpy 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 because you're in the bush and it's completely pitch black because they don't have no street lamps or nothing inside Maho and just looking up and seeing the stars feeling completely safe even though it was so dark and there's nothing and you know they have all of the lajables and kuya come and take you and all in a duen all them things come and take you in the bush right but always seeing the silhouette of my father in the front of the van driving it and feeling completely safe knowing that nothing will ever happen to us because my father's there he was affectionate in certain ways He's not the father you see on Instagram now who would be combing your daughter's hair and whatever, but he he showed love in, in many other ways. And he always wanted us to be part of that. And he always kept us down to earth. One thing my father was good at making was soup. So in Mahu, he'd make a one pot. So he'd have some one, two cans of tuna fish. There'd be some yam, some tanya, them kind of thing, like a set of ground provisions that he got from the land. And like some tin tomatoes and he do whatever. He just throw in a whole bunch of things and it would be the best one pot oh, ever. Gosh. And we sit down and he'd make a little, a little fire. And because we had just come from bathing in the river and you know river water cold already. So you come out and you cold. Because you be there in the bush, right? The air is much cooler. So everything is you be cold, right? You want to have covers and blankets and stuff. And you'd have all of that. And he'd make that one pot for us. And we sit and eat it. You know, all one of them... The metal bowls, what do you call it? Yeah. Name for you know which ones, right? <laughs> yes, man. And it have like the kind of ceramic paints. Yes. It's a metal thing, but have like a ceramic coating on it. Yes. From, either from that or like a calabash, and it would just be us. It would be him and his children. Because sometimes my mom would not be there. She'd be taking a break or whatever. She's at home, probably not taking a break. She'd be home cleaning the house. But it was just him and his children. And mm-hmm. that's how he was. And favorite memories is my father throwing me in the sea when I was four. You have to learn how to swim, yes, sir. You know, it's not no, because he was a man who, he grew up in Kanawan. So Kanawan is in the Grenadines. So it's part of St. Vincent in the Grenadines. It's a small island. And at the time when he was born, because he was born in 1925, at the time, there were only a couple of hundred people. There was about mm-hmm. between, I think, three and 400 people on the island at the time. And, you know, he had to go to another island to go to school. So the sea was very much a part of his life. In the Grenadines, they have a culture of shipbuilding and whaling. It's one of the few places in the world where whaling is legalized and it is standardized through the government and everything because of the culture. And they have this whaling heritage preservation thing going on. 
So being part of the sea was always part of my father, right? He loved being on the water. So he always made sure that we were part of that. And him throwing me in the sea, hey, get to it. You know, swim. Yeah, swim. Just swim. Sink or swim. Just swim. Sink or swim. Yeah. And it's like my father was, he never made you afraid because he spoke with so much mm. confidence about the water and being in the water. You were never afraid of it. And mm. he made sure that we learned from young. And I'm very thankful to him for that. Many, many fond memories. But in terms of my father, not talking about the things that he did for people, especially when he passed away. When you're going to his funeral and we walk in and in the procession, someone pull me over and say, your father paid for my son's university fees. Wow. Thank you. Or your father bought my daughter's uniforms. They just grabbed me or grabbed my sister or brother or my mother and just like they had to say something to us, right? And we'd never know. We never, he'd never say, he'd never talk about it. My father, when he was a young man in his 30s, he was seen as a troublemaker. And there's a part in the valley, call it a valley, right? Where they have a long history of plantation ownership by these white Caribbean families. And it continued on from slavery into post-emancipation and pre-independence where these white families were still running these plantations. And the rights of the workers was shit, okay? Mm -hmm. It was just the same thing, you know? It's just the same menial pay, long hours, horrible treatment. And my father was championing for the rights of the farmers. And a lot of people saw him as like a troublemaker. And there was a time where he was arrested because he lay down on a road in front of like a tractor or something and was singing the police or whatever. But there was a time where the police were looking for him and he dressed up as a woman (laughs) <laughs> but dressed up as a pregnant woman. And at the time, they didn't have cars like that. So he was trying to cross from the valley past Bexor. So that basically Bexor is like a flat just before a very large mountain ridge, which okay. brings you into Castries and it's called the Badilil. And he had to cross the Badilil, but they had the police blockade or whatever. They were looking for him. And how they used to transport pregnant women at the time, if they didn't have no transport, was put them in hammocks. So my father dressed up as, I don't know how much, if he just wore a dress or whatever, but they put him in this hammock and he had to pass through the police barricade and he was there wailing like he was a woman in labor. And we didn't know them things. We didn't know them things until I was a big grown woman. He never spoke about that story. It's someone who came and told my mother that story. And I find that so beautiful. These are things that should be in books or in movies, mm, you know? Mm. And that, that was my father who was the rebel. He was right. the rebel. And then he made his way across into town to negotiate with the government for the rights of the farmers. And that's how he bypassed the police who wanted to arrest him again. Mm. And he never, t- he never told us them things. He never spoke. Right. I guess maybe he never felt the need to, I don't know, celebrate himself or whatever. He just saw it as I'm doing the work. And that is how life is supposed to be. I'm doing the work. I don't need the awards. Like he hated awards and all of those things. Yes, I got them thanks. And he just put them away in a cupboard. Fiona, I'm going to stop you there. Showing. You know, I'm sat here and I'm listening to Fiona uh, recount this particular story. And is it me or do you feel that Fiona is also talking about herself in this (laughs) 
you know, and I, in this reluctance to accept the accolades or to speak about some of the, the work that she's doing, that, you know, know your Caribbean is within itself a rebellion. Like, I don't think she realizes. It's, and I'm, I'm dying to burst out laughing, not yeah. so much at the story, but just at the synergy and the yes. alignment yes. of father and daughter. It's incredible. I, I don't think she realizes how similar, so similar she is because rebellious she bloody well is. <laughs> with her work and on certain topics, very freaking rebellious. <laughs> Indeed. Indeed. They have some things we just will not go into. Mm-hmm. All right. So yeah, there is that synergy. Very much so. Very much so. So very Fiona, much. sorry to interrupt you, but I couldn't sit here Shall and I'm listen. <laughs> and not say anything. So please, my love, continue. That's some of my fondness memories there's lots of little ones but those are kind of like the overall there are many times it's not one time he made the one pot in maho there's not one time he made a soup or took mm-hmm. us on a boat but that was something that was consistent with my father is that he made time for that he kept things so normal it's right. other people that made a big deal about being prime minister or being prime minister's daughter yeah and it, it's still an annoyance because mm-hmm. It's the same way, like, how do you walk into a room and announce who your father is? So why mm-hmm. should I walk into a room and announce who my father is? So a lot of times people come, I'd walk into a room and then I'll say, hi, good afternoon, whatever. And someone else will say, look, that's Compton's daughter. And I would get so annoyed because then, then they see prime minister or a certain level of assumed prestige before seeing the person. And I think my father always, you know, he never had security and all of them kind of thing. And and that was with intention because he never wanted to separate himself from the people. And to me, if you are a farmer, then therefore you can never be have a disconnect from the people. No matter where you go in this world or in this life, like finding old pictures now of my father sit down next to President Reagan or in the next picture there from Mugabe. And with all of these like great world leaders never spoke about that. And It's just, I think my father was a visionary in the sense that he always saw the bigger picture and the work that he was doing was beyond him and beyond his ego. Mm. And in terms of, you know how it is, girl, in the Caribbean, party politics is full of men of egos and who know who and who say what. Everyone knows everybody because the communities are small, right? And one of the things my mom was talking about just yesterday is that even like when you look at American politics, right, with the American Democrats and the Republicans, and they'll not vote for what's right. They'll vote for what their party says. Yes. Allegiance. Yes. And then my father used to give some of the people who used to rinse my father on Mm. TV and curse him and he'd give them jobs. One of my uncles and it's a very iconic moment in St. Lucian political history. And my father's on the port is like a debate. And my father was on stage with Sir Julian Hunt, who's my uncle. But he was my father's staunch opponent. Yes. Staunch, staunch opponent. And uh, very vocal. And then my father's giving story. And he said something about breaking glass. And then my uncle said, I'll break glass in your ass. And let me yeah. tell you, they make a soccer song. They make t-shirts. <laughs> they make 
Hey, it was if good thing social media didn't exist them times, eh? Break glass oh. in your ass went viral, okay? Even before oh. viral was a thing. Oh, oh my gosh. And people would say it's hugely disrespectful or whatever. Like, and that's just one of the very many things that my uncle was saying because he really, it was like staunch, hard opposition and next generation politics don't play. I remember as a child, a time that we were coming from a rally and it's very strong memory of mine as a young child. And I was driving back from down south from a rally and my mom was driving me. I was in the backseat, I was lying down. You know, it's dark, you see in the street lamps or whatever. And my mom said, okay, if you know, you're about to drive past something and I want you to understand what this means, but please don't take it too hard. And it was this truck of people. So my father's party was yellow t-shirts, yellow colored and whatever. It used to be ice green and gold and then it, it, it just brought it to yellow. And then the opposition party was red. And I saw this truck of people. It was like a motorcade, but it had a big truck, like a carnival truck. And it was covered in people in red shirts. And it was late at night. It was in Soufre. And Soufre was a constituency that was staunchly against my father. Okay. And they were shouting, Tikwa Achu Compton, Tikwa Achu Compton. They're making a whole song, which means Little Cross in Compton's ass. And, you know, that's that's what solution politics is like. It's not child's play, right? Mm. You get cursed. It's very, very, very passionate. Mm -hmm. And... Even in light of all of that, my father gave my uncle the job to be the ambassador for St. Lucia in the States where he lived in Manhattan and was very well taken care of and, right. you know, and was a representative for St. Lucia for the UN and whatever. My father said in an interview because he was the best person for the job. Amen. And this is a man that said, I'll break glass in your ass and all kinds of things ass. like that. Right? Yo. But my father said he was the best man for the job. And that's how uh-huh. he always operated his politics. He was still friends mm-hmm. or comrades in the fight for progression of St. Lucia. Even if you weren't pali pali, it's about yeah. choosing who was right for the job. And I'm sorry, but there's not many people like that who do that no, anymore. That's a rarity, Fiona. The rarity. If, I don't know if you, I could do that. I don't in know if Caribbean I could do politics, that. Right? You know, we have an election coming up here. In mm-hmm. Saint Kitts and Nevis, and it's been crazy, and that's all I'm gonna say about it. <laughs> Girl, the little sum something I saw, I was like, "Woo!" When everything dissolved, and so I can imagine, I can imagine yeah. it's not pretty at all. And I've never seen my father get mad or see a man or can't this things that used to upset my father were people littering in Saint yes. Lucia, people disrespecting yes. nature in Saint Lucia. He really hated that. He hated how we treated our landscape. He treated yeah. how we didn't have any pride. We're proud solutions there, but in the same way, we didn't do things that supported community spirit. We're very individualistic in Senusha in many ways, right? Okay. And those are the things right. that used to annoy him. Like people only out for themselves. Mm-hmm. And those are the things that I remember seeing him getting upset about. Right. And he'd mm-hmm. hate to see, like, you know, when you're driving, people just throwing a soldering bottle out the, oh, the thing or the plastic bottle or whatever, or the, yes. the styrofoam. That used to make him so mad. Yeah. <laughs> and then, yeah, like, I moved to England and my father always come pick me up from the airport. But because he was my father, he'd be there inside immigration, right by the door, all his train, no matter what we were doing, he'd always come and pick us up and drive us. And I, of course, we'd be embarrassed. 
because we want to be like everybody else and it's like daddy why are you coming in immigration like let's right. go into immigration like anybody else so then it was a mixture of that that's the bougie part right the Got prime you. minister come and pick up your child he's inside immigration well he's and exercising then, his privilege you yeah, know he, he is he is he do he that is, a lot so if it can be about his children yeah then you know what come true these are my children don't and it don't was like no them. long thing like oh that's, that's my child come take okay them. Take them, right and then after all of that you get into his van the rickety van all the way back to castries yes. so it was like when i say bush and bougie you know mm. that's what i mean mm. i used to drive my father he'd be like okay these street lamps are not working i need to call so and so okay that wall is mashing up they need to fix that and he's just mm. watching how to fix things how to better things in mm. and me i was young my father passed away when i was 25 yeah. and 25 mm is still not an age of full appreciation. You're still distracted by foolishness because you're just coming to learn yourself, right? Mm -hmm. But those are the things that I remembered. And, you know, tourism was also very hurtful for him. I think tourism mm -hmm. was a very difficult journey for him because St. Lucia transitioned from an agricultural country yes. into a, a, a tourism economy. And agriculture, you, you can own your own land. You can own your own business. Things take longer. It's not as romantic and pretty, but there is ownership in agriculture. Mm -hmm. Tourism is much more glamorous, pretty, and you can dress up and whatever and work in a nice air-conditioned whatever, but you don't own anything. Yeah. And that was very difficult, but we had to transition out of agriculture because we got screwed over by America. It's a long story. But the whole banana industry of Chiquita and Dole yeah. and all of yeah. that, you know how it is, girl in Nevis. I, I know y'all felt that. We got <laughs> squashed out, right? Yeah. And we had to, all of us collectively had to start depending on tourism. And that was we very had to hard pivot. Yeah, yeah, many of the islands had to pivot. That's what we did. Yeah, yeah. so that was hard for him because mm -hmm. he had to contend with that and move with the times because it's like, okay, then how do I keep the economy going, whatever, but still trying to encourage solutions about ownership and not selling or whatever, or just being okay with just working for a hotel and having a hotel job. Because ownership takes long. Agriculture is long. So you're growing bananas or growing whatever, dashing. It's not as nice as I'm a manager of a hotel. I'm getting yeah. paid more money and I have my nice salary and all of those things. It's not as glamorous. And agriculture is, is takes a lot of commitment and we had to move with the time. So that was hard for him. I know it was hard for him. Yeah, so that was my father. I see so much of you reflected in your dad, Fiona. And I don't want to use the word comical, but listening to you and the things that endear you most, you know, the, one of the reasons for me why KYC has had the success that it has and continues to have isn't just about the content and the information that you put out there, but a lot of it has to do with you and your conviction and your love and your respect and your passion for the region. And that is what people see and that is what they feel because there are many other platforms talking about Caribbean history and doing a really great and wonderful job. Like I love each and every one of you because I know that what you do is not easy and it is time consuming and it's research and it's fact checking. And it's all of these things and still trying to make it engaging. 
And for me, one of the reasons why you have had such a, and I know you don't see it as quick expansion, but just in terms of how things are in the social media world and beyond, it's because of you and your essence. And what I'm getting from as much as I may have known some of these stories before, and I know how you feel about your father, Fiona. And the fact that he passed away when you were, you know, 25 is a baby, 25 is a baby. And you, you, as you said, you don't really know yourself. You think you know yourself, but you don't. I remember you read the eulogy at your dad's funeral. And I remember thinking, but look at this, <laughs> but look at this, you know, it's like, this is Fiona. Fiona is her dad. And he, I can only imagine the pride that he feels for you, Fiona. And at the beginning, you know, just circling back to you saying that you're not even sure that he's aware of how much you valued him and you valued his ethos and how much you have modeled your life on that. I think he knows. Shawin, how do you feel about it? I think he definitely knows. And it's funny you should say that. I was having a chat with his mom Hmm. recently. And she said, I just wish my husband was there to see how his kids are doing so amazing. Mm. I think he is seeing. I think I he think can so see. And it's not just feeds her sisters no, and her brothers as well. It's all of y'all. They're all, they're all doing amazing, <laughs> really, really well. And I think he, he knows and he would be very proud, very proud. And yeah, I was listening to Fiona when you were speaking about how people want to put all the pomp and and stuff on you and it's so true it's so true last year for the first time I went to St. Lucia with her and my god you know at some points I was like I said we can't even go in a little hole because she's looking so much like the man we can't even go in a little hole everywhere Hmm. we go everything we do somebody there somebody will see So, so we couldn't do nothing it was like, it was like you know. I know you didn't like that, Sherry. I did not like that at all because we want to go in our holes. We want to do our yeah. our thing, thing. Well, yeah. not her really. She she was. I think she pre warned me. She pre warned me. She she told me from before that yeah, I can't hide. I can't hide, mm-hmm. hide Sherry. I can't hide. And and you know what? It's there, and that's what Senusha is like when Fiona goes to mm-hmm. Senusha. But yeah, mm. everywhere, everywhere she everywhere. goes. From the time she touched down on the airport, that is it. That's it. Everything <laughs> over. Everything over. And you know, Shoreen, I and I'm I have a confession. And I, <laughs> <laughs> I, hear it. I, I always love when Chantal have a confession. I know. Yeah, so let's go. think it's something really salacious and it, it's, it never is. I never <laughs> deliver on that. <laughs> always hope Gasa will always hope living hope absolutely. but I am very protective of my friendship with Fiona and I very purposefully if I'm mentioning Fiona I don't refer to her surname ah um, yes yeah I'm, I'm very protective of that and if I'm introducing Fiona to someone who she may never have met you know who she hasn't met before one of my other friends or whatever I don't introduce her as Fiona Compton because I want them to take Fiona as Fiona right I want them to enjoy Fiona as Fiona I don't want their interaction and their connection with her to be based on who her dad is yeah and who her family is and I even do that 
with my family. I think my dad, for the first time, listened to a lot, one of our episodes. <laughs> but okay, Lord help him. Um, yes. And of course, he would have read the description and listened to the intro. And he's like, that girl from St. Lucia with the surname Compton. And I'm like, mm-hmm. <laughs> what about it? What about it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's like, she related to um to John Compton. And I very reluctantly, and only because I know growing up how much my dad loved your dad, Fee, right? Mm. But and so I very reluctantly was like, yes, yes, he's her father. Well, 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 well. And then he went <laughs> on to some stories. I remember when this man and you know those people, and you know. So I was like, okay, fine. <laughs> but he might be one of the few people that I have allowed into the Compton-ness because I want people to fall in love with Fiona for the very same reasons that I fell in love with Fiona. And I understand that it was for Mm. me because I knew, obviously I didn't know Fiona personally growing up. I was a year ahead in school, but I knew of her. I knew of the little group I always keep talking about, the local mamas. First of all, first of all, yeah, first of all, right? It wasn't even about me being Compton's daughter. It's about the fact that I went to convent, okay? The fact that I was a convent girl, okay? And everyone else, okay? I know we're calling for Baka, Claudine, because Claudine is a Grenada (laughs) convent girl, okay? (laughs) So, Claudine, all right. Claudine, know the struggle. Everybody feel convent girls a stoosh and whatever, okay? Anyway, listen, all right? I knew of Fiona because I did not like her convent crew, local local bitches, not local mamas, local bitches. I didn't like them. <laughs> come for me. I went in. <laughs> yeah, I didn't like them because they, they were too stoosh, too mm. stoosh, okay? Mm. But then, obviously, she left St. Lucia. Then I left St. Lucia. And I never knew who she was. I didn't know what she was looking like growing up. And then one day, I, I think we've said the story about how I met, how I met her. I didn't know who she was. We met. I almost yeah. run her down for coming and film on my stand without, right. without permission. I had no clue who she was. And then it was when we, <laughs> I didn't care either. And then it was when we met, I think we met for a meeting with an ex-partner and then we speaking and I watching and I'm like, we talking, we getting on good, we getting on well. In my head is a Trini woman I talking to. Wow. I had no clue who she was. And it was then her ex-partner said, so you don't know who she is? I'm like, no. Why should I know who she is? But we were getting on really, really well. And Mm. then he said, "You look at her really well. You still don't know. I'm like, no, I don't. (laughs) And then he said who she was. I'm like, oh, okay. The only thing I remember is one local mama and two her riding, walking around, riding around on a, a stupid elephant. That's mm-hmm. all I knew of her. But we kicked it off from then. But mm-hmm. it wasn't because of who she was or whatnot. Yeah. It was her. And I always remember Fiona telling me from a very long time ago, she wants people to know Fiona. If yes. you come at her as Compton's daughter, you don't mm-hmm. know Fiona. You know yeah. Compton's daughter, you know Com- John Compton. That was something I always respected. And the fact that, mm-hmm. listen, yeah, Fiona could get away with so many things, both here and in Senusha, 
She chooses not to. She chooses not to. Grind and hustle, just like all of us. And we know that as her her friends in real life. Exactly. (laughs) And that's what people don't realize. She chooses to grind and hustle. She chooses to not use the name. She chooses to do it of her own merit. And this is something I really respect. Because I don't know if I could do it. Trust me. I will (laughs) take the easy road. (laughs) I love your honesty, Sherry. I have to be honest. Honest, being honest here, yeah. I would, I would probably take the easy road on a few occasions, but chooses not to. And um, I had to beg Fiona. Exactly. I had to beg to accept help. Thank you. Thank you. Scream. You understand. I had to beg her. So, so yeah. So this is one of the things I respect, Mm -hmm. and I think listening to her about her dad her mm-hmm. dad would respect that as well because Absolutely. i don't think her father would want to know he have a bunch of five children house spoiled just living yes. off riding off his coattails yes. i think he would want to know that they're doing it off their own backs yes so Agreed. this is something yeah i'm i'm really 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 proud of you bitch yes fiona (laughs) we are very very proud of you i know you're probably over there crying but you know she's not crying yet she's not crying yet she's not crying yet (laughs) but absolutely fiona you know your dad is proud of all of you as shereen said the things that you guys have accomplished and of course your mom has a 50% 50% you know, input on that. You're 50% your mom, 50% your dad. But he's definitely smiling and approving of the choices that you all have made, how you've shown up for yourself, your family, your wider communities. I mean, what could he possibly, what, how could he possibly feel? Just proud. So well done, Fee. And thank you for sharing, you know, your, your daddy-daughter stories with us obviously our stories are very different and this is why I love that we're having these conversations because with each conversation you know our supporters are out there there's someone who relates to Fiona's story there's someone who relates to mine there'll be someone who relates to Sherwin's who is up next and maybe there's pieces <laughs> of each one of our stories <laughs> that people find relatable <laughs> I don't know why Sherwin is afraid hey we're gonna find all, out, right? We are gonna find out. Let me tell you all something from now. <laughs> when we are sharing the relatable uh-huh. story about Showin's father, we uh-huh. have a photograph that we have oh, to use. Okay, because okay. let me tell you, Showin's father is some people's zaddy. You know? <laughs> Listen, Showin's father is zaddy. Yo, daddy's zaddy. Right? Yo, okay. All hey. right. Fiona, I met that man via WhatsApp for the first time. WhatsApp video. Girl, if it's met in person, it's been finished. Wait a minute. (laughs) But I was like, okay, this is Sherwin's dad. This is Sherwin's dad. Just remember, keep remembering. That's her father. That's her father. That's her father. Please. That's her father, yes. But you can see where Shereen gets a lot of her charm from. That's yes. all I'm going to say. Yes. Okay? Yes. So y'all be prepared for the upcoming episode. <laughs> but moving away from Fiona's beautiful sharing of memories with her dad, we're going to keep the positive vibrations. I feel like the vibrations are very high right now. And ladies, I want to know. I want to know. Wait, there's a song. Anyway. <laughs> 
<laughs> what is bringing you joy right now with all the caveats for both of you? That's right. Shaween, what is bringing you joy? Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. So, you've got an idea for a business. The store of your dreams. There's just one thing to figure out everything. That's why Shopify's all-in-one commerce platform makes it easy to sell online, in person, and everywhere else. Sell on social media, source products with an app to get that first sale feeling. It's the only solution that gives you everything you need to sell everywhere you want. So when you're ready to bring your idea to life, power it up with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Well, what's bringing me joy? Castle carnival season, hey. What hey. are you talking about? I cannot understand, Chantal, how your carnival going on and you know nothing about it. You're not even jumping. Girl, what's no, going on? I, I don't know. No, you're to be a judge for the children's parade. And I don't even know when the children's parade. Oh my God, Chantal, what has happened to you? You go to Nevis and you just mellow out on us. Where, 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 hot girl Chantal with the sexiest outfits? I love Culturama. So I honestly, one thing that I'm looking forward to is there's a big food fair. It's always food related. You see a pattern. <laughs> the big agriculture food fair is on Saturday. And that, for me, is one of the things that I look forward to yearly, one of the events in Nevis. And it's part of the Culturama celebrations. It's funny how it ties in with your conversation about farming and agriculture. It's seeing all the farmers with their booths and their fruits and their veggies. And I'm like, yeah, it's heaven, absolute heaven. And then, of course, you have people making real traditional desserts coconut dots and potato pudding and like lord so you know your girl is gonna be in food heaven on saturday okay just putting it out there <laughs> chantal you on food no it's, it's it's she and nevis food yes it's like you are the food <laughs> ambassador for nevis i like it. <laughs> i would consider becoming a pescatarian to be the food ambassador for nevis so i could eat all the fish all of it i would wow. i would reconsider that's how deep it is it's deep y'all it's deep <laughs> so fiona what is bringing you joy this week no disclaimers or what caveats i made that very clear showing you heard me right yep yep <laughs> i heard i can't talk about jiraya i can't talk about my partner okay and i spoke about 
the globe and Haley doing so well with it <laughs> last week. Yes. Okay. I've also spoken with my mom. I think just to mirror a little bit of what Shereen is saying is that carnival season is coming. The buzz mm. is starting to grow. At first, I wasn't feeling it, but it's like so many fets are already sold out. So like we're trying to like buy things in advance and it's just that preparation. And then one of the things is that we bought tickets to the Queens of the Caribbean show. And it's going to have like Spice and Alison Hines and everything. Like so many amazing. It's a lineup of just purely Caribbean women mm -hmm. um, concert. But then we found uh -oh. out uh -oh. Chantal, Olivia Minha. What? What? The latest addition to the lineup requires a revision think. of outfits. Before uh -huh. we was going to be a hot girl, but we need to be going there. Iconic levels. Wait, wait, oh gosh, okay. am I ready because for this? Patra is performing. Oh, no. <laughs> Romantic we call, Queen of the Park. Okay, no. I am on a romantic call. Oh, I talk to my baby. Da, da, da. Yes. No. The woman who shaped how we okay. saw ourselves, the woman who shaped how Caribbean women embrace oh. their confidence, sexuality, oh, everything. The woman who made braids sell out in St. Lucia that time. Yep. She is performing Queen of the Park. So it's finished. It's curtains. It's over. Everything done. Everything finished. done. It's finished. I love Spice and all, but nah, I'm Yo. sorry. Patra, so to, Listen, to be in the presence of... I would jump on a of, plane and come. What? I swear. Okay. I swear. Okay. Um, <laughs> I swear. And I'm also looking forward to seeing Alison Hines too because that woman has been around my whole life and okay. has also shaped me as well in many ways uh -huh. in terms of confidence, like her, her, like how her body has transitioned. You know, very slim in her 20s, so a full-figured woman. And I remember one time seeing her in Miami Miami Carnival in a show and she was wearing heels and she was there and her thighs were full you know she was full and then like she has big like her bust is big everything and that woman wind down to the ground in a squat That's and right. stayed there singing like what felt like 10 minutes I know it wasn't 10 minutes but I was just in awe and you know that was me in my early 20s when I saw her like that mm. and it, that also shaped me as well to see that Caribbean woman confidence in that way yes, and that's what yes. I'm really looking forward to seeing like Spice is new and I really respect a lot of the things that she's doing and saying especially her song about bleaching and everything yeah I really respect that hypocrisy yeah. yes I think also just seeing that resurgence of women in dance hall and mm. so on but also her talking about different society issues I appreciate those things but yeah. Patra I'm sorry Patra. when she come on stage nobody talk Yala. to me okay Yala. so that is what I'm very excited about Shoween how you gonna tell me this what well I was going to <laughs> but <laughs> but it's okay it's <laughs> He stole your thunder. These convent girls. She didn't. It's it's okay. It's okay. But yes, that is that is what's bringing us joy, because we got our tickets. We got our tickets. And Chantal, it will be. I'm taking Haley to witness greatness. I am taking my child to witness greatness. I hope you are wearing 
the, the shortest pom-pom Girls, let ever me tell you life. something. I look into okay. see how I could put my hair up in and put a wig. I'm looking Yo. at what to what I'm going to do with my hair. You I can add braids to the locks, guys. Braids to the locks. Of I could add you can. something. Something happy happened. All right, what? because y'all remember my patra braids got cut off by my mother. <laughs> I am putting <laughs> it back. I am putting the braids back. Yeah. Okay, yeah. something oh. happy happened, and that is it. That's okay. what this is a healing for you. Shuri. It is this healing. Is healing. It is healing. It is healing. <laughs> <laughs> I have. Uh, you know what? I will put the braids. I'm gonna go look for them tomorrow. I'm gonna go. No. Yes. yes. Okay. So okay. This is, this is this is major. This is major. I don't yeah. even. I am speechless. I don't <laughs> even know. Okay. All right. I need to gather myself. But yes. yo, Patra. Patra Politics. My property is my property. My property. The moment she said that, if she just walk on stage and say that it's finished, guys, I'm mashing up everything. I'm done. Drop the I'm mic. I'm mashing up everything. That's all she has to say. I throw in chair. I throw in whatever, whatever. I just mashing up everything. That's wow. All. I'm happy for you. I'm happy for y'all. But, but I'm crying. <laughs> Don't worry. We'll enjoy it for you. We will film. We will take Gee, some thanks. videos. Thanks so much. And send it to you. Thanks. Chantal, lovingly. <laughs> send it lovingly to you thank you so much Shireen, for your consideration <laughs> in these troubling times oh my god okay so wow okay I, my mind is blown my mind is blown so folks for this episode of under the mango tree teleport yourself to a moment of calm welcome to the ASMR of Nevis. Thank you so much for joining us on this week's episode of the Relatable Podcast. And what a joy it has been hearing all about Fiona and her daddy. I don't want to call it daddy issues. It's not daddy issues. It's daddy love. It's daddy love and appreciation. And I hope you all enjoyed it as much as we did. And if you did, come on now, drop us a line, give us a comment or let us know, not just on our socials, but let us know how you feel about the podcast. We'd love to hear from you. So don't forget, you could catch us on Apple, Amazon, on on spotify and everywhere you get your podcasting fix thank you so much and remember a shared journey brings hope. <laughs> bye relatable because a shared journey brings hope 
Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.